In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Do you all have certain movies or television shows you always watch at certain times of the year? Now, growing up when there was exactly three or maybe four channels, depending on where you lived, it was easy, right? Every Christmas, we'd get Rudolph and Frosty, The Year Without a Santa Claus, The Little Drummer Boy, and of course all the Charlie Brown specials, a Charlie Brown Christmas, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, Halloween, Easter. You'd get movies once a year like It's a Wonderful Life. And all three or four different versions of A Christmas Carol, White Christmas, The Wizard of Oz, The Sound of Music, and of course, The Ten Commandments. Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone, because he had been talking with God. Moses is coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and the law for the second time. Why was it the second time? The story begins in Egypt, a long time after Joseph and his brothers moved there. We heard about Joseph a little bit last week. Over the years, the people forgot the contributions that Joseph and these foreign people living in the land of Goshen had made. But they were prospering. And then they had a new king come, who didn't remember Joseph, and looked around and said, There are too many of them, and they have too much wealth. So he made them slaves, and God's people called out for deliverance. Moses was born at a time when male children were being killed to keep the population from growing too much. His mother put him in a basket and sent him down the river with his sister watching. He's found by Pharaoh's daughter, adopted, and his own mother is his nursemaid. He grows up in Pharaoh's court knowing he's different. One day he sees an Egyptian beating one of his people And since no one's around, he takes the matter into his own hand and kills the Egyptian, thinking he'd done it in secret. The next day, as he's walking about, he sees two Hebrews fighting with each other, and he asks them what the problem is. And they look at him and said, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses gets scared. He runs, runs out into the wilderness, becomes a shepherd. And lives a quiet life. But God wasn't done with Moses yet. One day he's shepherding the sheep and he sees a bush that is on fire. But it doesn't burn up. And approaching this impossibility, he finds himself on holy ground talking to the living God. After trying to explain to God that really he should be looking for his brother Aaron, Moses goes back to Egypt. And miracles take place. God's people are delivered. They cross the Red Sea, a pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night leading them. Now it's around this point in in the Ten Commandments where there'd be a commercial break and my parents would send us off to bed because it's already an hour and a half, two hours into the movie, right? But to continue the story, for those of you who don't remember what happens after the parting of the Red Sea, They go on to Mount Sinai, and God's providing for them, right? Quail and manna every day. And in chapter 19, Moses goes up the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments. But he just doesn't receive those two tablets. God spends time with him, talking with him, talking about how he wants this covenant to be lived out. 
13 chapters later, in a long time, back at the base of the mountain, God sent Moses back down because days have passed and everyone thinks that Moses has died. And because they think Moses has died, they convince Aaron to make them a golden calf and they start worshiping it. And Moses intercedes with God and heads down the mountain. Moses finds them. Moses throws the tablets down and they find a plague in the camp. And God tells Moses he'll lead them to a new land. But first, new tablets must be made. And Moses has to go up the mountain again. And there he meets God. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. And as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he'd been talking with God. Moses' time with God had left him changed. He was transformed physically. He'd been so close to God. He was reflecting God's glory so well, he was glowing. But he didn't realize it. But when Aaron and God's people saw it, they were afraid. They saw him come down the mountain glowing and they ran away from him. But Moses called them back, read them the law and all that God had commanded them to do. And then, until it went away, Moses wore a veil around the people. But every time he would go in and pray to God, he'd take the veil off. Our gospel this morning finds Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up to the mountain with him as he goes to pray. Now, over the last few weeks in the gospel, Luke says that things have happened. He sent the twelve out to preach. Jesus has fed the five thousand. And a week ago, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do these crowds say that I am? And of course, they reply, Well, some say you're Moses, and some say you're Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he asks the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps up and responds, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus tells them, remember, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life again. And now he takes those three up to the mountain. And while he's praying, it says, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzlingly white. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And I'm sure that when those sleepy disciples looked over and saw what had happened, and saw Moses and Elijah standing there, they remembered the stories they heard growing up about Moses' encounter with God on Mount Sinai. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking to him. Moses, whose face had been transformed into a glowing visage because he was so close to God. Elijah, who God had sent a chariot and horses of fire to take him into heaven. These were the two men that the trio saw as they came out of their stupor. The man who brought the law and one of the greatest of the prophets. And they were talking with Jesus about his soon coming departure from this world. And Peter, overwhelmed, I'm sure like we would be if we suddenly looked out the window and there's Jesus, Moses, and Elijah chatting away about what's about to happen. All he could do is start babbling because Peter just can't be quiet in any situation. Jesus, let's build three tabernacles right now. Let's put up three tents for each of you. And a cloud surrounds them. And they, like Aaron and their ancestors, were afraid. 
And they heard a voice say, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Jesus' mission is being affirmed to them again. Just like at the baptism on the River Jordan, God speaks to those there, telling them to listen to the words of his son. Since then, Paul writes, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness, not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the company of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. Paul here compares the veil that Moses wore in the Exodus stories to the veil that was over the Old Covenant. The only way to fully understand God is through Jesus. Only in God, only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this day, whatever Moses has read, a veil lies over their mind. But when you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. Christ has removed the veil so that we can fully understand the Old Covenant. Now the Spirit of the Lord, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as reflected through a mirror, and being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. A few Sundays ago we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, how we look in a mirror darkly or dimly. In his next letter to the Corinthians, Paul's expanding on that idea. He's saying, here on earth we are looking at the reflected glory of God found in the Gospels and are slowly being transformed into the image God wants us to be, to look like Jesus. A process that continues in all of us, all of our lives. That is the freedom the Spirit is giving, freedom to remove the veil and see our lives transformed into one that's more Christ-like each and every day. When Jesus comes back down the mountain, there's a man there. The man had brought his son to see Jesus. In his absence, the other nine disciples, who earlier in the chapter had been sent out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. They couldn't help the boy. They couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus looks at them, the disciples, and says, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring the son here. I think Jesus is asking them why they don't have the faith to do this. He's been telling them for the last week about what's to happen. He's about to leave, but they don't seem to believe it. The veil is still over their hearts and minds. Almighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Proclaim the greatness of the Lord our God and fall down before his footstool. He is the Holy One. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among those who call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. But the veil has been lifted for us. We can know and understand God. We can reflect that glory. The God who loves justice, who loves equity, and who wants his love proclaimed to the world. Let's continue to look in that mirror each and every day and continue to reflect Christ's glory day by day. Amen. Thank you.